Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Yes. You know, me and my wife, me and my wife, um, Jessica, she's my cutie booty. I don't know where she is. Hey. <laughs> she, uh, we, we've been married for about 20 years now. And um, they, have, they have spoken to our life. Um, Pastor Carrie and Megan have been a part of our lives for about 12 years. They were our youth pastors when we were youth pastors. And they just really helped us and coached us along. We really didn't know what to do. And I can tell you that they have walked through some of the darkest moments in our life. And I'm not just saying that because I, I want brownie points with Pastor Gary and Megan. I'm saying it because they have impacted my life so greatly and my wife and my family. And um, so I want to do something real quick because they're probably going to listen to the podcast. Can we make some really loud movement noise for our, our senior leadership? Just real quick, as loud as you can. We love you so, we're so thankful. We love them so much. And uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to have a good time this morning. Are you, are you ready to have a good time this morning? That's, that's one thing. I like, I, like to, I like to have fun. So I need, you to, I need you to look over at your neighbor. You're going to be doing this a lot. Look over at your neighbor and say, you are hot this morning. And if you are single, this is your opportunity. <laughs> it's your opportunity. I'm trying to help you out, right? So and if the person next to you was stuck up, look over to the other person. That, <laughs> look over to the, person, the other person that was next to you and look over to someone else and go, you're hot this morning. No one turned. Everyone's like, I'm not doing that. stupid. It's okay. <laughs> we're going to read uh, the, the, the series. We're going to read some scripture here in a second. But the series that we've been talking about um, that we just started, I'm going to turn around and look at it because I'm going to mess that name up, is Asaph, which is really just a fancy name for Joseph. Like we were just trying to be creative, and that's what happened. So, um, but it means Joseph. And um, Pastor Carey spoke last week so, so, so in, inspirationally, just brilliantly, that this is a series for dreamers and the discouraged, right? But he's not just the, the God of, of giving dreams. He's the God of fulfilling dreams. Do you believe that? You know, what Scripture says that, that, um, that he's the author and the finisher of our faith, which means that if he, if he starts something in your life, it means he's going to finish something in your life. That should be encouraging. I feel like I need to say that to someone this morning because I actually feel like God wants to do something so powerful in your life this morning. And if it's okay, I tried to, go, I was back and forth because Pastor Carrie and, and Pastor Megan, they, they do an incredible job um, teaching and preaching. But I actually, when I, was, when, I, when I was writing this, I was like, man, I feel like I just want to preach this. And so I hope you can take notes, but I hope you can get a little excited this morning because I believe that if we raise our faith level, that God can do something just absolutely incredible. And the Bible says that he wants to do things that are above and beyond what we can imagine or think, right? Above anything that, anything that you could think or hope. So can we raise our faith together this morning? Is that okay? All right, so let's pray, and then we're going to dive into Scripture, and then we'll get this thing going. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much. Thank you that you're here, and thank you, God, that we know that when we look to you, that you can change any situation. Father, that you are the, that you are the God that brings dead things to life. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would awaken dreams, 
and you would awaken hearts. Father, the passions and the purpose that, that we had in our lives, Father, that we may feel um, our lying dormant, Lord, I pray that you would breathe life right now in Jesus' name into those things. And Father, that we're going to leave here with a new, a, new, uh, a new passion for what it is you've called us to. So God, we love you and we thank you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. That just means that I agree. Thank you, Brooks, for ushering in the Holy Spirit. The piano player, man, this is going to be a tough audience this morning. <laughs> Pastor Kerry spoke last week about the uh, coat of many colors and, and just the, the God that is a giver of dreams. So you got to love Brooks. Like, I'm, I didn't embarrass him. He's all right. <laughs> He's fine. Um, and so I, I actually, I'm going to read, there's a lot of scripture that we're going to read, but I'm actually going to only read half of what I read this morning in first service, so you're welcome, because um, it is a lot of scripture, and then we're going to come back and talk about some of the rest of the story, if that's okay. Is that cool? Yeah? All right, so we're going to start in Genesis 37. If you got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Genesis 37. We're going to read 12 through whenever uh, I quit. And if you, if you have a glow-in-the-dark Bible, cool, turn it on. Um, if you're an undercover Christian, it's going to be a lot of those jokes this morning. You're going to have to laugh or it's going to be awkward. All right, if, you don't have, if you don't have a Bible, then we're going to put it up on the big screen back behind us and you can just follow along. Are you ready? Say yeah. If you're not, say hold up. Oh, I didn't expect that actually. Genesis 37 we're going to start with verse 12. Now his brothers went to, pass, uh, to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. So he said to them, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring me word. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a man found him wandering in the fields, and the man asked him, what are you seeking? Verse 16, I'm seeking my brothers. He said, tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. And the man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. I don't know if I'm saying that right. They saw him from afar, and before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. Verse 21, but when Reuben heard it, he rescued him out of, the hand, out of their hands, saying, let us not take his life. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. Okay, I lied. We are going to read a lot of scripture. That he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, so he was naked. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites. Okay, I'm going to stop reading now. And they basically sold him into slavery. We're going to move past it. But they threw him into a pit, and then they sold him into slavery. Listen, this is the kind of family that he had, Right? Think about this for a second. You think your family's crazy. Like these dudes are, not, like I have a crazy family. I, I think everybody here can relate to that, right? We all have crazy families. And we have frustrations in our family, right? But his, this dude's family was nuts. They threw him into a pit naked 
and then went and sat down and had Chick-fil-A. For real. Like, they went and grabbed a bite. They were like, you know what? I'm really tired from throwing our brother into this pit. You want a sandwich? Like, that is exactly what they did. That's bananas. I don't care what your dysfunction is. Like, that's nuts. So, I feel as though when Joseph was in the pit, he was probably a little frustrated. Have you ever had any frustrations in your life? Does anyone, if, if, if you're saying that you don't have any kind of frustrations in your life, then you are the frustration in somebody else's life. It's a fact. And I have a couple, I have a couple of frustrating things. I have pet peeves. Does anyone here have pet peeves? Oh, my goodness. So one of my biggest pet peeves is when people chew with their mouth open and eat too loud. Glory. Hallelujah. And the thing that's crazy is that they don't understand that they're eating with their mouth open and they have like half a hot dog hanging out of their mouth. You're sitting there going, how do you not feel that hanging out of your mouth? It's like they just, yeah, that's what they do. You're just like, what are you doing right now? Like just chew with your mouth, wait to talk to me, just stop it. The second thing, and this is the worst thing, the second thing and the worst thing is I hate traffic. I hate traffic. I can't stand traffic. I, it, it, there's, there's a part of me that gets so frustrated at traffic. And it's, 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 it, I believe that in traffic, we actually go through seven stages. I go through seven stages of frustration or emotions in traffic. <laughs> yeah, let's get ready because I'm going to keep going with jokes until you laugh. <laughs> I think the first stage, I don't know if you can relate to me, but the first stage is denial, right? Like when it happens, I moved from Texas and I put like the first time, like when you put in like a GPS, like address and navigation and that sort of thing in Texas, like you expect to go for like 30 minutes. Like, I mean, you're going to, you're going to drive for 30 minutes. Here, I got really excited because when I put in the, the, the destination that I was going to go to, it said, you're only 1.5 miles away. And I was like, hallelujah. But the destination time said, you will arrive next Thursday. <laughs> Anyone? Like, can you relate? I was like, what? So whenever, it's funny because whenever you pull up in traffic and you live in California, you know there's going to be traffic all the time. Now, I've now adjusted to this. But you pull up into traffic and you just stop. You hit denial. Like, I don't care who you are. You act like you've never seen traffic before a day in your life. <laughs> you sit there and you're like, no, God, no. And you just get so angry as though this is something new. This is what I do. I get very, very frustrated. I, I, get, I get denial in my life. And you start, it's like, maybe it's an accident. And then you get super spiritual, if you're super spiritual, and you're just like, okay, God won't be upset with me that I'm frustrated if I pray for the person that might be in the car accident. So Father, in the name of Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, start getting super spiritual about it. Every, I got people in here going like this because they actually do that. It doesn't make you super spiritual. Okay, second stage. The second stage. It's like denial, and then there's pain and guilt right? Like you're, you sit there and you're like, I should have taken the toll road. <laughs> so much pain in your heart. You're just like, why did I do what I did? Like, I don't understand. And then guilt leads into anger and bargaining. Uh, this is my favorite because you get so mad. You just start yelling at people. Like you would never talk to someone <laughs> in person the way you talk to people in traffic. Someone, anyone, like, like seriously, like if someone if, like veers over into your lane, they try to merge in because they're just trying to merge, right? Like they're just trying to get into the lane. Like you lose your mind. This is where I lose Christianity. 
I lose it all. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm like, you idiot. Like, you just lose, you get so mad. Bothers me. But if you were standing by somebody in an elevator, (laughs) and they accidentally, like, leaned into you and touched you, like, you're not going to be like, what are you doing? (laughs) You would never talk to anyone like that. Right? So then you get angry and you feel bad for being angry. And then you're like, then you start bargaining. God, if you just take this traffic away, I'll be a better dad. I'll not yell at my wife as much, only when she deserves it. (laughs) And then that leads, like, I feel like self-bargaining leads into self-reflection. Right? Self-reflection and loneliness. (laughs) Like, you're there and you're just like, I could be a better dad. Your kids are in the back of the car, right? If you have kids or maybe you want kids and you're like, I need kids. <laughs> or if you have kids, you're like, I'm so sorry that I'm a terrible dad. I should have not brought you with me on this trip. <laughs> like, it's like, he's just lonely. And it's like, I miss my wife, you know, or if you want a wife, start praying for one. I don't know. And then that leads into up the upward turn. You know, when you're like, did we just freaking move? Yes. Like you get really excited. You're like, yeah and you realize that you didn't, and then you start working through it, right? This is the sixth stage. You start working through it. You start being really nice to people. <laughs> like, you just went through all these emotions, and you start being really nice to people. You're like, you know what? Just go in. The Lord loves you. Bless you. Bless you, child. You know, you start like, like that kind of thing. <laughs> just bless you. <laughs> and, then, and then when you realize that that's not going to work because God doesn't just, he's not moved by just your works, <laughs> right? And there, maybe if I let him in, God will bless me. Probably not. It's okay. What happens is a seventh stage happens. And this is where, this is where life just gets tough, right? The seventh stage is acceptance. You have sat in traffic now for three and a half hours. And you are like, we're never going to move. I'm going to die here. My kids are never going to eat. Like, we're, we are, we're done. Like, this is where we die. This is where we, this is where we live now. Kids make a tent, you know? Like, you're, that's what happens. And, you know, it's funny. Why traffic is so frustrating? I got to thinking about it. It's not the people in the cars, right? Like, I mean, that, that, that is part of it. It's not the people in the cars. It's actually the, the, the frustrating thing about traffic is the road. Huh? I'll tell you why. Because a road is a mechanism that's built for movement. And whenever something that is built to do something isn't doing what it was originally built to do, that's going to, that's going to equal frustration in life. That's why it's frustrating. When you stop when you're supposed to be moving, that's why it's frustrating. That is why it's frustrating. And yet, look at what Ephesians 2.10 says. And I'm going I'm to relate this. How does this relate to us? I'm going to tell you how it relates to us. Well, you were made to move right? We were created to move. This is what Ephesians 2.10 says. Look at this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. That's why whenever you get stuck, it's so frustrating. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you're just like, I don't have any momentum in my life? Like I had a dream, I had things, I had a purpose. I used to be excited about stuff in my life, right? When we were kids, we used to say stuff like, like when someone asked us what we wanted to be, like the dream in our heart, like what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And they'd be like, a fire truck! And people like, that's not weird to you. If you still want to be a fire truck, you need 
come talk to me later. Well, I'm going to talk to you about it. You're not going to be a fire truck. But we lose that. We lose that sense of, of dreaming and purpose in our life, right? We lose it, and we start feeling stuck. And I would imagine this is probably, we don't know exactly what Joseph went through in the pit, but he's just been betrayed by his family. He just told him a dream, and he was just excited, right? Like in Scripture, it says that Joseph is just doing what it is his father told him to do. He's being obedient. Have you ever felt like you've done everything you know to do? I've done everything right. I pay my tithe. I give my tithes to the church. Like, I, I, don't, I, don't, like, I don't hit babies or kick puppies. <laughs> like, I'm a good person. I'm a really good person. And I still don't understand why I feel like I'm stuck why I feel like my dreams aren't, I can't be passionate about the dreams that God originally put in our heart or in your heart. And I feel like this is probably where Joseph was. He got, to, he got betrayed by his family, thrown to a pit. He can't see. He's got no clothes on. And his, his family goes and starts eating lunch. We have no idea how long he's been down there. And I can just imagine I can put yourself in his shoes for just a second. I can just imagine how frustrated he might be. And listen, maybe, maybe you're sitting in this room. So what is the pit? The pit's not a, the pit isn't a place. You've, no one in here, I mean, if you have been thrown in a pit, I'm sorry. But probably no one in here has been thrown into an actual pit. Right? We've not experienced that. Hopefully. The pit's not a place. The pit is actually like a state, of, a state of being, like a, the state of where your heart is. Because I believe that, that Joseph probably felt pretty hopeless down in that pit. He's like, man, I was just trying to do what God told me to do. I'm just trying to do what my father told me to do. And now I'm in a dark hole, and my brothers are eating food, and I don't know what's happening in my life. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. I have personally. And I can imagine he's very, very frustrated. And maybe, listen, the metaphorical or the, per, the proverbial pit that you might be experiencing in your life this morning, it could be dug by you. You could be there because someone threw you in the pit and you did nothing wrong. <laughs> or maybe it's just because of the dysfunction that you were born into. But I'm here to tell you right now that God did not create us to live a life stuck in a pit or stuck in, stuck in a place where our dreams aren't alive and we're not pursuing the purpose God has for us. God created us to live a life of victory, not defeat. God created us to live a life of wholeness and, and health and purpose and destiny. Come on, are you with me? That's what God created us to do. So I believe, I believe with all my heart that God wants to use the pit, not to, get us, not to keep us stuck. God's not using whatever pit that you might be in emotionally or frustration or whatever that might be. God's not using that pit to, to cause you pain. I believe that God wants to use the pit to propel you towards your destiny. I believe he wants to use that to push you to your purpose. So let's look at this real quick. So we're talking about how God wants to use the pit. I said that God wants to use the pit. Uh, are you guys still with me? Are you guys good? So God wants to use the pit to propel us to our purpose. 
not, not to keep us stuck. I want to talk about what the pit isn't because I feel like the enemy tries to lie to us with what, with what the pit is. Look at this. Look at this. The pit isn't your potential. It's the catalyst for your potential. You hear me? If you're taking notes, this is a good time to, to write it down, put it in your phone. The pit isn't your potential. It's the catalyst for it. So how's it a catalyst? Well, look at what Romans 8, 18 says. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not, is not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. This was written by a guy named Paul, and he literally wrote almost every letter, almost every letter. He wrote a lot of the letters in an actual prison or a pit. Listen, prisons were underground. Prisons were dark. There was no bathroom. I'm just, I'm just saying there's a lot going on where Paul was. And yet this man looked at, looked at his situation and he goes, you know what, but I can still have faith in God. It doesn't matter how dark the room is. It doesn't matter how dark the, the, the stuff is around me. I still know what God's purpose is. He wrote this. He's saying, you know, this suffering, this suffering isn't to, to hold me back and just to hurt me. It's actually going to reveal glory on the inside of me. You hear me? So, so Paul says this. And so it makes, me, it makes me wonder, why does the enemy hate the thought of us understanding our potential? I'll tell you, is anyone in here scared of a rubber band? Just Joel in the back. <laughs> no, one, no one really is scared of a rubber band. Now, if I had a rubber band, and I went up, and I, I don't have a rubber band. You don't have to freak out. If I had a rubber band, and I pulled it back, and I aimed it at you, what's going to happen? You're going you're to start freaking out. Like, you're going you're, you're gonna to lose control of your body. You don't, have no, like, you don't know why you're acting the way you're acting. I'll tell you why. Because the stretch and the potential has turned the rubber band that used to not be scary at all. Now it's a weapon. <laughs> you want to know, know why? You want to know why the enemy wants to stop the potential in your life? It's because we walk around thinking that we're ordinary, but really discomfort, what it does is it cultivates the potential in our life to be stretched and to be challenged. And the minute that you recognize that discomfort and challenge is not an enemy against your life, it's actually something that's going to push you towards your purpose, you, you are now not ordinary anymore. You're a weapon. God wants to use that to shoot you towards your potential, but the enemy does not want you to feel that. That's why, that is why the enemy fights so hard. He wants you to believe that the pit is actually, is actually the destination when the pit is not the destination. The pit is just a pit stop toward the purpose that's in your life. You guys with me? Do you hear me? So here's the second thing that it's not. The second thing that the pit isn't is the pit is not your position. It's not your position. And what I mean by that is Joseph's brothers lowered him into a pit or threw him into a pit. They didn't lower him. Threw him into a pit. And I love, I love, I love the symbolism of this. I don't love that he was thrown into a pit, so calm down. What I, what I mean is that he was put in the pit. And you have to understand that Joseph's dream was that his brothers were going to bow at his feet and he was going to rule over them, right? So this, so his brothers throwing him in the pit is actually a contradiction to the dream that God put in his heart. Because they threw Joseph in the pit so that they could elevate him, themselves above Joseph. So there's this contradiction happening to the dream, right? And this is what the enemy, I feel like the enemy does. He tries to use a contradiction to determine 
how we view ourself and what God, as though God's promise and purpose changes for our life. God's, God's promise and purpose does not change for you. It doesn't change. Situations might, but it does not change the purpose that's in your heart and the call that you feel like you have. Do you hear me? Um, come here, come here, Trey. Come here, come here, come here, come here. It's not your position. This is my son. Hey. No one's excited to see you. <laughs> that's all right. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to see you. My son, um, who's single, what? <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you. Uh, <laughs> you okay? Okay, I did not coach him in this. I promise you. I did not coach you. I did not coach him in this. this is <laughs> I, I want you to tell me what your biggest dream in your life is. Uh, to play in the NBA. Yeah, it is. He's going to buy me a house. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> That's my biggest dream. Like, buy me a house. Um, now, this, this represents his dream, right? This, this is something. It's a gift that he has. Here, here, go ahead. I want you to show him what you're working with. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh. So he, he practices all the time, all the time, practices constantly. He's in his room and he's bouncing the ball and it's actually really, really frustrating. Um, I can only imagine what uh, the people downstairs think of my son or the yelling that I do at him. And notice I took, so I took the gift. His father has taken the gift and has put it in his hand, right? So he's not holding the ball. Oh, dang, go ahead. Go ahead, Curry. He's not just... He's not just holding the ball. He's actually operating in the gift that I put in his hand, right? He's actually operating in it. So as he, as he dribbles and as he's working and he's practicing, he's practicing in private, what happens is that, oh, <laughs> notice that the minute that he's, he's operating, listen, there are going to be people in your life all the time that don't understand your dream and they don't want you out of the pit, do you hear me? Let me explain. My son is operating. He's done exactly what his father told him to do. He's operating in his gift. And then all of a sudden, something came and carried him back to where he started. And notice what happened. He stopped, he stopped operating in his gift. And he actually dropped the ball. <laughs> right? So you have, to, you have to understand that this thing, what David was representing, was these things that we allow the enemy or, or thoughts in our lives or emotions to carry us back to where we came from instead of being where God told us to be. So what does that mean? What does, it, what does it mean? It means, listen, the reason we talk about next steps all the time is because we actually believe that you should take your next steps. And if you're tired of hearing this, I'm so sorry, you're going to hear it all the time if you come to our church. Why? Because we believe in the purpose that God has in your life. Listen, you want to know why? You want to know why we talk about next steps all the time? It's not so you can come to crew or be, uh, be a part of the church and, and work and work and work. And, and working and getting a task done is not what makes great teams. What makes great teams are the relationships that are built inside of the teams. You hear me? Relationship is the most important thing. And the enemy wants to come in and he wants to sweep you off your feet and put you back into the pit when we need people in our lives. That's why we want you to take the next step. That's why we want you to get connected into Connect Group. It's because we need you. Relationships are important. Relation, you can't do life alone. You cannot do it by yourself. 
The entirety of what we believe as Christians is based in having a personal relationship with Jesus. If that relationship's important, so is having relationship with other people. And if you're an introvert and you don't like people, go hang out in the tech booth. We can get you plugged into the production team. <laughs> My wife is back there. I'm surprised she likes me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're for fine. We're... <clears throat> um, no, listen, listen, in all seriousness, the, the, the enemy wants the devil, thoughts, words that people have said to you or about you, labels that people have put you on. Listen, we can allow those things to put us in a pit. And what we do is we get frustrated and we stop moving. We stop moving. We actually believe that the pit has become our home. Like this is what it is. This is what it's always going to be. I will never, I will never dream again. I'm going to, I'm going to punch in. I'm going to punch out of work. I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to pay my rent. I'm going to be normal and I'm going to be ordinary. Listen, God has not called you to be normal and ordinary. The Bible says that He has fearfully and wonderfully made you. Fearfully and wonderfully. Some of you just fearfully, but I'm just kidding. I'm not joking. Like everyone was like, shut up. <laughs> What I mean is, is we're his workmanship to, work, to walk in good works, to operate in good works. Listen, you're his workmanship. You have a purpose. So the pit is not your, your potential. The pit is not your place. So what do you do while you're in the pit? I'm going to give you four ways. I'm going to give you four, four ways to respond in the pit. Is that okay? Because the truth is, is that everybody, it's not about when you're in a pit. Everybody at some point, is going to be in a place where they're like, man, I need out of this. It's dark. I don't understand. I feel frustrated. Listen, it's going to happen in your life. But the good news is, is that God wants to use that to build some incredible things in you. Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for the good. That means that he uses every situation and he can use every pain and hurt that you might experience. And the purpose is to work it for your good. Well, that should be encouraging. So look at this. What do we do? What do we do? How to respond in the pit. The first thing that we're going to do is that we're going to acknowledge it. You got to acknowledge that you're in the pit. See, nothing will ever change until you realize change is needed. I think we pretend. It's like we live in denial, right? It's like what we talked about with traffic. Like this isn't happening. I'm not in a pit. Yes, you are. You know, how, you, know how to, you know how to know if you're in a pit? It's like you stop looking up and you just look down. If, if, you're, if you're in a pit, you stop looking, you stop looking up to where your, your help comes from, right? That's what scripture says. You stop looking up. I think that what you have to do is you have to address that you're in the pit now. You can't wait. You can't say, oh, there's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you, have to, you have to acknowledge it now. Don't wait. The only thing that you're doing when you wait to acknowledge that you're in a place that you shouldn't be is you're just, you're, 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 um, you're slowing down the progress that God wants you to have. And then we start blaming God that we can't, how come you won't get me? God, I just don't want to be, I don't understand why you won't do this anymore. Hey, it's not God's fault. Recognize it. 
Be aware of it. Acknowledge the fact that, hey, you know what? I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a place right now that I, I need help. I need help. It's a dark spot, but I know that God, I know that God, this isn't the, this isn't, this isn't the final destination for my life. My grandpa used to say it like this, and it's super corny. It's okay. He's my hero. He used to say it like this. It may feel like you're down to nothing, but that just means that God is up to something. <laughs> in your darkest night, in your darkest season, God is working on your behalf in a way that you don't understand yet. And that's okay. You don't have to see it. You just got to know that he's working for you. How do I do that? You admit it. <laughs> do you like that transition, that segue? Acknowledge it, and then you got to admit it. See, uh, Joseph didn't climb out of the pit by himself. He was pulled out by people. There's something powerful that happens whenever we, we, be, we begin to, it goes from thought to actual action. Again, it comes back to relationships. I'm going to hit relationships again. Joseph did not climb out of the pit. He was pulled out of the pit. He was pulled up out of the pit. There's power whenever, there's, there's a reason the Bible says to confess our sins one to another, because there's healing in it. Why do you need people? Because people and relationships bring healing to your heart. They're the ones, relationships, people, they, they pull you out of the dark spots in your life. They pull you out of there. So you acknowledge it, you admit it, and the third thing is you got to address it to God. You address it. I think the most in, one of the most interesting things about this story is that the whole time that Joseph was in the pit, his father never stopped loving him. And I feel like I feel like I needed to say that to someone this morning because I feel like what we do is we equate God's love to some systematic you know, systematic, like how, 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 how good am I? How great am I? Like, what's the, what's the best thing I've done recently? And God's love is not contingent on those things, on your works. It's actually, it's connected to the promises that he's made. He doesn't, he doesn't love you because you're in a pit and he doesn't love you because you're not in a pit. He loves you because he loves you. <laughs> you hear me? The pit does not define his love and affection for you. You can go to God while you're in the pit. And he still loves you the same as, you, as, as he did whenever you were being obedient and walking toward the, the, the purpose that he put in your heart. Does that make sense? And so after we acknowledge it and then we admit it, we address it. The last thing you got to do is you got to attack it. How do I attack in the pit? I'm glad you asked me that. <laughs> you know, Joseph's name, I'm going to try not to mess this up like I did in first service. Joseph's name in Hebrew is, uh, is um, I'm going to mess it up, Lord. That's okay. Joseph's name in Hebrew means to add to, to increase, to join oneself to, or to do it again. 
We sang a song today that talks about moving mountains again in our life, right? About, about seeing God do in our, in our lives what he's done before and what he's promised to do. <laughs> and, and the reason we sing and we worship is not because we just love lyrics and the song's pretty and that sort of thing, but there's, the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so when we sing these things and we, we say these things, this is actually speaking life into to areas of, of your heart where there needs to be life. And it's also, it's also taking, some, taking some victory over things that you need victory over in your life. Does that make sense? That's why we sing. And I'm about to tie it all together right now. It's going to be so good. So Joseph's name means to add to, to join oneself with, to increase, to do it again, right? And as he's in the bottom of a pit, his brother Judah is at the top of it. And I may not, I mean, his brother Judah was still a part of throwing him in the pit, right? And he's, but he hears a sound of probably a rope coming down to the pit. And this is why this is important. Joseph attaches himself to the rope that Judah threw down into the pit. Now, Judah's name, you ready? Judah's name is, is pronounced Yehuda. Hopefully, I don't know if I messed that up or not. Sounds right. I sound smart when I say it. <laughs> which is translated, get this, which is translated praise. So Joseph joined himself to praise while he was in the pit. And not only did he join himself to praise while he was in the pit, watch this, he probably had to reach his hands up to grab it. Why do we lift our hands in worship? Because when you're in the darkest area of your life, sometimes you got to reach up and you got to grab a hold of praise because God is the only one that can pull you out of the dark spot that's in your life. Come on, listen, I, I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. Let, if you feel as though you might be in a pit or you might be in a dark spot, listen, can I challenge you to let your praise be more, be, 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 be more loud than the problem that you're facing right now? The dark spot that might be in your life? Come on, can we grab a hold of praise that pushes us to our, our promise? Listen, praise is what pulled Joseph out of the pit. Praise is what pushed the opposition back. Praise is what kept the dream alive. Listen, if you have a dream in your heart, if you have a purpose in your life, I believe that God wants to rekindle the thing that made you passionate this morning. God is the giver of dreams, and He is the fulfiller of dreams. He does not give and start something that He, that he gives up on. He's faithful and just to finish the work that's in your life. But listen, sometimes when you're in the darkest spot of your life, you got to look up and go, I know where my help comes from. I know where my praise is. I see it. I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to lift my heart because I know that my God, if He's for me, He will not. He, no one can be against me. That no weapon formed shall prosper. Do, do you mind if I preach a little bit? Because listen, listen, God wants to do something great in your life. And what I love, 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 is remember Joseph's name meant to add to or to increase. 
So the dream that you started with in the pit, God doesn't want you to just come out of the pit with the same dream. He wants to, listen, he wants you to come out. He wants to add to the dream that you went into the pit with. Because God is a God of increase. He doesn't want to take things away from you. He wants to use the pit to propel you to greater dreams, to greater purpose, to greater impact. Listen to me, to, to get, your, to get your, the, your, your coworkers saved, your family saved. He wants to use you to minister to the people around you. So let the pit be the thing that propels you to your promise. But sometimes we just gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stand there and we gotta join our dream to praise. I wanna say a quick prayer. Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for dreams and I thank you for purpose. And God, I thank you that every single person in this room, God, that you are breathing new life into whatever area of life they need. Lord, I thank you that the pit is not their final destination, Father, but it is, it is the breeding ground for greatness. And Lord, I pray right now that you are the giver of life and that you would breathe life into whatever area that they're needing right now. Father, I thank you for new dreams. I thank you for dreams, Lord, that, that people in this room may have felt like they had, and they felt like they were dead. But Lord, I thank you that they're not dead. They were just sleeping. And Lord, that you're waking those dreams back up. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed, every, every head bowed, every eye closed still, you might say, you know, Pastor Jeremy, I've never actually, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never, never made that commitment. I've never made that decision just right here, right now, right here, right now. If you say, I want to do that in my life, I want to take that step. Listen, it's the greatest journey that you'll ever embark on. Things don't get perfect, but things get real good, real good. So if you'd say, I want to pray that prayer, just real quick, you can say it in your, say it in your heart, say it quietly where you're at. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I love you and I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for right now changing my life forever. I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.